first kings of Judah. In the third year of his rule, God allowed Jehoiakim to be defeated by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And so Israel came under the rule of the Babylonians. King Nebuchadnezzar knew that Israel had some excellent men, and he ordered his chief of staff to bring them to serve at his palace in Babylon. I am the king, and the king is here. I am looking for some young, strong, good-looking people like myself. I see my royal subjects before me. Arise. Come join your king. You hold this. Kings don't hold things. The king planned to train them for three years, giving them all of his best food and best training to prepare them to enter the king's service. Who here would love some of the king's food? Anybody? Nobody? Boom. Pass it out, my royal subjects. Give them the food of the king. Pass it out a little bit more quickly. <laughs> I guess the king's got to get his hands dirty sometimes. Who wants some? Hoorah! There goes the king's royal mic. <laughs> Who else needs some? Who loves some of the king's smarties? <laughs> Boom, smarties for the, from the king. There you go. Who would like a king Tootsie Pop? <laughs> king Tootsie Pop, look. Heads up. It's pointy. Be careful. Do not waste the royal food. Who else wants some? I expect there to not be any trash on the king's floor at the end of this. Last call. I guess they've had their fill. Come with me. Some of the men chosen by the king were from Judah. Their names were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But these were names that honored God, so the chief official gave them new names to make them fit in in Babylon. Daniel always okay, tried to honor God. Like, did they he did not me? want okay. to make himself unclean by eating the All king's right, so. food and drinking his wine. So he asked the chief official for a favor. He asked permission not good, to make good. himself unclean by eating the king's food and wine. God had caused the official to be kind and friendly to Daniel, but the official would not do what Daniel asked for. He told Daniel, I am afraid of the king who has chosen what you should eat and drink. What if he sees you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would have my head because of you. The chief official had appointed a guard to watch over Daniel and his friends. So Daniel said to the guard, please, just test us for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then see how we look compared with the young men who eat the royal food and decide how to treat us by what you see. So the guard agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his friends looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away the food and wine from the king and gave them vegetables instead. That was 
Awesome. Sorry, I am uh, <clears throat> finishing up one of the King's Royal Gummies. That was pretty good. <clears throat> so uh, that's the first part of Daniel's story. And uh, we're going to come back to Daniel's story over and over and over um, today. But Daniel had to make a choice. Was he going to follow God's plan? Or was, we, was he going to follow the plan that the people, that the king had? Well, he chose wisely. He chose to follow God's plan. And because of that, God worked in Daniel's life and also through Daniel's life. It was really great. God did some things like this. First, God's plan had such good results that Daniel and his friends were much greater, as we saw, than anyone else. And so that caused the king to follow God's plan as well. And the king also later on says that, you know, Daniel is always wise. He's always helpful to me. And really, that's what happens in our lives. When we choose God's plan, and, we, and people see how God's plan has affected our lives, then they say, you know what? I'm going to follow God's plan too, because that makes more sense than what I'm seeing out here in the world. And they come to us, not because we are wise, but because God does things in and through us like he did with Daniel. Second, because Daniel and his friends chose God's plan, the Bible says that God gave them understanding in literature and in wisdom. And I think that's true. When we say, God, you know, I'm going to follow your plan, God gives us understanding and wisdom. God also did something very cool with Daniel's life. God gave Daniel a special gift, a special ability. He was able to interpret dreams and visions. The Bible tells us that when a person chooses to follow Jesus, that they will have special gifts and abilities that are given from God to them. Now, your gift might not be the same as Daniel's, but the gift that God gives you will do the same thing, which is to help people and to bring glory to God. Well, that's not the end of Daniel's story. In fact, Daniel's story is so long, we won't cover all of it here today. So we just encourage you to read the book of Daniel if you haven't read it for a while, especially the first chapters where there's a lot of good stories, where there are a lot of good stories about God and about Daniel and about how he works. But let's look just real quickly at one more story, and we're summarizing again. This is from Daniel chapter 1, verses 17, through chapter 2, verse 23. So the king has a dream. And the king has no idea what it means. But he says, you know, I would like you, my advisors, to tell me what my dream means. And they said, oh, no problem, king. Just tell us your dream. And the king says, no, that's not how this is going to work. I want you to tell me what my dream means, but I'm not going to tell you what my dream is. <laughs> and they're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know that we can do that. And the king says, well, you either will or you will die. That's a little bit like me saying to you, okay, I'm thinking of a number between one and a million. Now, you guess it, and you have one shot at it. By the way, the number was 723,266, which I don't think anyone was thinking. So anyway, <laughs> um, the king's advisors have a problem. And so this is what they say to the king. No one on earth can do what you're asking. What you are asking is impossible. 
can't be done. I mean, they have a point, right? We can't do that. Humans can't do that. I wonder if you're in a similar situation. You're confused, and you are looking for answers. And the world gives you more questions. You're looking for clarity, and the world provides more confusion. If that's what's happening, may I gently suggest that you may be looking to the wrong advisors. I mean, they have the education, they have surveys, they have data, they have research, they have resources, but their answers just don't seem to really satisfy you. Well, there is hope. There is hope because God, who is different, has the answers. And we have to be willing to look to God for the answers and willing to follow what God's answers are. And that's not always easy. See, God really is different. God really is different. Check out what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26. Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Jesus is saying, of course, humans can't make sense of this life. But God can. Of course, humans can't offer you a sense of purpose and peace in a world that's going off the rails on a crazy train. But God can. So, ask. But don't ask people. Ask God. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says this. This is Jesus again speaking. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, will have the door opened to him. You know, I, I feel like people say that we ask too much, but Jesus says we ask too little. So ask, and keep on asking, because the person who asks receives. Okay, let's, let's go back to our story quickly of, of Daniel. The king's advisors are in a mess. They do not know what to do. The king wants them to, to tell him what his dream means, but again, he won't tell them what his dream is. And so they continue on with their rebuttal. They say, look, king, only the gods know, and they don't live among people. I mean, come on, king, seriously. This isn't possible. Maybe the gods know, but they aren't here. Well, again, our God is different. Our God knows everything, and our God is here. Our God does live among people. Here are some Bible verses that talk about that. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says this. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And before Jesus left earth, because you might say, well, yeah, that was when Jesus was on earth. But before Jesus left earth, he told his disciples some really 
good news. He gave them good information, good news. And this is what he said in John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come. That the Holy Spirit would come and, and be with us and, and be in us and teach us more about who God is. Well, it's one thing to make a promise, and it's another thing to keep it. But Jesus keeps his promises. Years later, after Jesus had gone back to the Father, look at what Paul, one of Jesus' followers, wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives where? In you. Say it with me. Who lives where? In you. And was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So no, Jesus no longer walks on earth right now as a physical man, but God is with us, and God is in us. God knows everything, and God is here with people. Okay, going back to our story, the people know uh, that they're in trouble, and they really could use some help from God as well. The advisors have no advice. The wise men have no wisdom. And the king's pretty upset about it. So he sends out a notice, and this is what he says. All of my advisors are going to be killed. What? <laughs> you thought your job was tough, right? <laughs> but there is hope, and here's why. The king has not yet heard from God. He's not yet heard from Daniel, who God is going to speak through. See, when Daniel hears about the king's edict, what's going to happen to all of the advisors, including him. He goes to the official, and then he goes to the king. And he says, king, listen, if you will give me some time, I will ask God. And I fully believe that, no, I can't answer this, but I believe that God can. And because Daniel already has a relationship with the king that's powerful and strong and good, the king grants him his request. So Daniel and his friends gather, and they pray to God. They ask for wisdom. They ask for an understanding of what this dream was. And remember, God had given Daniel that gift. What's really cool is this. After God gives the uh, interpretation to Daniel, Daniel does something different than I think a lot of us would. I think a lot of us, as soon as we knew what it meant, we would be on our feet running to the king to say, hey, here's the news. You don't have to kill anybody, including me. But do you know what Daniel does? Daniel stops. He pauses, and he praises God. Daniel moves from requesting to rejoicing. I think that's a pretty good thing for all of us to do. And it's not just a quick thank you. There are lines of text where Daniel is giving praise and honor to God. Well, then Daniel runs to the king, 
and he tells him what his dream means, and everyone is better off for it. And they're grateful. And again, read this story. Read more about it uh, this week if you get a chance. Quickly, a, a couple of things or three things that we can see from both of these stories that we've looked at quickly, and then later on we still see them in Daniel's life. They, they show that Daniel is a wise man. One good thing is that Daniel uh, made good eating choices. And that's not the main point today, but it's a good idea for us to eat healthy food that God has given us. There's even a food uh, plan on it, uh, based on this, called the Daniel Plan. Some of you may have heard of this. And uh, the basis, what's cool is the basis for that dietary plan is rooted in trusting God. It's really based on following God's plan, not humans. Um, and I, I think it's cool that we could take that idea, this Daniel plan, and take it not only for some sort of dietary thing, but even more for our spiritual lives, for our spiritual plan, which is part of the Daniel plan. What are some things that we could see and take away from what Daniel did and what Daniel said and say, this is a Daniel plan that I'm going to follow? Well, here we go. First, trust God. Trust God. Believe that God's plan is better than any plan that humans have. And though the world may offer something that looks good or tastes good or seems good or it's enticing, uh, and maybe it even seems to make more sense to you, but understand this, the world does not know what's best for you. God created you. God made you how you are. God loves you. God has an amazing plan for you, but first, you have to trust him. Second, ask God. Once you have that foundation of trust, God begins to build something very specific for your life. He had a very specific plan for Daniel's life. He has a very specific plan for your life. I don't know what it is, but God does. So ask him, and he will begin to reveal to you the plan that he has for your life. As Jesus said, ask and keep asking, because everyone who asks receives. Now, it's not always going to be the answer you, you're looking for. It may not be in the exact time frame that you wanted the answer to come, but God will answer. And then third, when God does answer, don't make that the end of the conversation. Move from praying to praising. Trust God, ask God, praise God. Now, let me just give a couple of practical examples of how we might be able to put this into action. First, if you're a parent, trust what God says. Train your child to trust the word of God to follow Jesus, to rely on the Holy Spirit. And ask God. And if you're a parent, you do that a lot. <laughs> you ask God about, what do I do in this situation? What, do, what, do I, what am I supposed to say? And you pray about the current situation with your child. And, and you also ask God about the future for your kid. What's coming? God, help us understand. Give us direction and a plan. And be sure to praise God for your child. And it's not a bad idea to praise God for your child when your child can hear it. To say thank you, God, for this 
wonderful child that you've put in my life. And I want to honor you and praise you. And thank you for this child and the gifts that you have given my child and, and the opportunities that he or she is going to have to do things that help people and bring glory to you. As we already mentioned, a great way for you to do those kinds of things as a parent is to come to the parenting class that's at 9 o'clock. So it started this morning. It'll continue on. Then it's going to um, move into the, the one about the finances. So parents, be here at 9 o'clock and learn how to, to really trust God and to ask God and to uh, move forward in praising God in your life. Okay, so here's another example. What if you're not a parent? Well, first of all, I think we all have an opportunity to be spiritual parents to those around us, and that has nothing to do with your age. So keep that in mind as well. But what about this? How about any relationship that you're in? Could be a friend, could be a neighbor, could be a coworker, could be somebody at your school. What if you would live this out in that relationship? So you would trust God. You would go uh, to the Word of God and use the principles there for that relationship, so you would love them, you would serve them, you would speak the truth to them, you would obtain wise counsel from them if they're a Christian. So trust God in that relationship. And then ask God, Lord, I'm in this situation with, the, with this person, I don't know exactly what to do, would you help me with that? I don't know exactly what to say, or in my case, what I should not say, I have more problems with that. So ask God. And then praise God. Thank God for that friend or coworker or parent or child or whoever that person is in your life. And say thank you, God, for the opportunity that I have to live with this person, to see you in them, and to grow in my relationship with you because of that person. So good opportunities in front of us. Trust God, ask God, praise God. You know, that's what Daniel and his friends did. And God made a huge difference in their lives. And sometimes we think, well, that was back then. You know, that was a cool story. But God doesn't really do cool stuff like that now. He doesn't really transform people like he did then, does he? Yeah, he does. One of the neat things that we're going to see this summer is each week we're going to focus on one of our ministry partners um, that are here in the United States and throughout the world. And we're going to see that God not only transforms lives back in the Bible, but God continues to transform lives, our lives, lives throughout the world. People change. Families change. Cities change. Cultures change. Nations change. Let's watch this video. Hello, Discover. It's really uh, great being here with you today. Uh, and we're really happy to uh, uh, be hearing about your 10-week adventure and learning how God changes things uh, on the mission field in particular. Uh, changes, changes are great. He changes people. He changes families. He even changes cities. I can tell you about a city and great changes that were made in Grand Guave, Haiti. We went there in 1980, and when we arrived, we found a sleepy oceanside village. Not really much was uh, uh, taking place there. Uh, there had been a time when it was a great uh, industry city for banana production, but a uh, hurricane wiped that out uh, years before. What we found when we got there was, again, that sleepy village, 
but one where the uh, a church was almost non-existent. Yes, there were a few small churches, and many of them had only a few people uh, attending them. Even the Catholic Church uh, didn't have much attendance. But God had led us there because he had a plan. He had a plan to change Grand Guave, Haiti. We started our first church there in August of 1980, and God has really helped us grow the church since that time. And in the process, not only did the church grow, but things changed in that village. And change changed for the better. We had always thought that we wanted to be able to set a good example for others, for even for other churches. And we set about to do that, and, and we've been quite successful because now Grand Guave has actually become a Christian community. And it has taken a lot of effort by a lot of uh, uh, people, but uh, we're seeing uh, not just the church at Grand Guave, the Christian church, uh, grow, but we've seen a lot of other uh, denominational churches uh, grow too, and it's changed the entire uh, complexion into that Christian community uh, that I spoke of. And of course, a lot of other things have affected that change too. Uh, in particular, the work through uh, uh, education that uh, we also pioneered in. Gretchen? One of the joys that I have with the Lifeline and what I've been able to see God doing over almost 36 years in ministry is reaching the children for Christ. Unlike our own uh, society where many children uh, turn away from the church when they go off to college or uh, are separated from their families and are no longer living at home, it's the opposite in Haiti. Through the Christian schools, and particularly the one in Grand Guave, these young people are raised to know about Jesus, but they stay committed, and that is that is a unique difference. Uh, we have educated thousands of children in that school alone. That doesn't count all 10 of our schools in Haiti, but those children are the adults today that lead the church. Uh, we have pastors. We have those who have been educated in Bible institutes. We have young people uh, that have grown up in the church and become doctors and nurses and administrators, every type of vocation you could think about. And it is because they first had their roots in the church and in the Christian school there in Grand Guave. And that's one of the blessings and joys of our ministry is to see the fruit that God has given um, through the ministries to the youth. God has allowed this to take place but it's not because of us, it's not because of our great staff, it's not just because of Lifeline, it's because of God, and it's also, brothers and sisters, because God has used you and people like you from all over the United States. And we just want you uh, to be encouraged today to keep supporting mission, to keep supporting global mission, help us, help other missionaries to reach out so that the changes can be made that are uh, constant with God's perfect will for us. Thank you, and God bless. God bless you. So a team from Discover is in uh, Grand Guave, Haiti right now, and uh, if everything goes well, at the very end of the service, we're going to have a phone call with them. Um, and I also want to let you know um, that one of the things, I, I've been to Grand Guave only once, but <clears throat> one of the things they mentioned was that when Lifeline first went there, it was very common at night to hear the voodoo drums and chants uh, going up throughout the city. And uh, I was there about three or four years ago, and I was up at all hours of the night 
and not once did I hear anything like that. And it's just great to see how God brings change, how God brings transformation, how God's plan really does make a difference. Um, we're very blessed today. Uh, Bob is somewhere else, but Gretchen uh, is here with us, Gretchen DeVoe, and uh, she's going to be hanging out um, in the lobby. So before you go out and grab some food, um, or maybe if you get a chance, uh, pop in and say hi to Gretchen and talk to her and encourage her and thank her for the ministry of Lifeline. So Jesus brings hope. Amen? He does. There are true positive changes that can happen in any culture and in any life when the gospel in all of its truth, is presented and followed. God is at work in Haiti. God is at work in your life. Trust God. Ask God. Praise God. Well, let's go back to our story real quick uh, with Daniel and the king, and uh, let's see if maybe there's a message that's there for all of us. Then Daniel went to the commander of the king's guard, whom the king had told to kill the wise men of Babylon. Oh, they're supposed to go up. Daniel and the guard were there. <laughs> it's a long walk from the palace. <laughs> Dang it. Tell him, tell him to go, Jonathan. Daniel said to the guard, oh, there, do there, not there. execute the wise men of Babylon. Come here, come here, come here. Take me to the king and I will interpret his dream for him. I have a king-sized problem. <sighs> what to do, what to do. Pose. <sighs> you need to come over here, sir. Let's have this conversation in my office. <clears throat> See, here, here's the dilemma. I have this message that I cannot read. But I hear, Daniel, that you can interpret such a message for me. The commander took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man from among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. Then Daniel said to the king, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Ah, well done. Let us go rejoice. No, no wise man or teacher or magician or diviner can explain the confusing things in our world. Only God can do that. <clears throat> so you need to follow God's plan. It's a good plan. In fact, it's a great plan. The most amazing part of God's plan is that God came down to earth. And people say, wait, you really believe that God left heaven and came to earth, became a little baby, was poor, didn't have, uh, didn't have a, uh, 
a place to live, at least for part of his life, that he lived a perfect life, that he died, that he came back to life, and the things that he taught us and showed us and did for us fix a broken relationship that we have with God. You really believe that? And we say, yeah. We do. See, the world calls that, <clears throat> the world calls that foolishness. We call that God's plan of strength and wisdom. It gives hope and joy and meaning to our lives. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that, hu that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say, it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Our hope for salvation is to follow God's plan. Trust God that our relationship really is broken, and, and there's nothing that we can do about it, but God can, and Jesus did. Ask God to forgive the wrong things that we've done and, and bring our broken heart to him. And then praise God that he will take that broken heart and make it whole, that he will restore our relationship and give us purpose and peace and joy and give us gifts and a passion to help other people and to bring honor and glory to God. Trust God. Ask God. Praise God. You know, we do that every week in communion. We trust that the sacrifice of Jesus is enough for us. We ask God to forgive us for the things that we've done wrong and for strength to live for him this week. We praise God that not only did Jesus die, but he rose again. And he gives us hope, not only for this life, but for life forever. We're going to sing a song that allows us to follow God and to ask God and to praise God. And if God is leading you to, to make a, a public decision of some kind, um, as we sing this song, you can come and, and speak with me if you would like. Uh, I'd be happy to talk with you, pray with you. Um, just talk more about what it really means to follow God's plan.
If, if right now doesn't seem like the exact time that you know God is calling you and you want to talk about it, find one of us. We'd be happy to have that conversation with you whenever, whenever. So as we sing this song, let's, let's trust God, let's ask God, and let's praise God. And after this song, we're going to join in together in communion, and then we're going to have a little more time of praise to God together. Let's stand.